Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to uh, encourage you to check out some of the other podcasts that we do, including Public Domain Video Theater, Video Theater, uh, greatdetectives.net. And uh, essentially, we bring you two episodes a month of public domain videos. Right now, we are doing episodes of Dragnet and also doing some episodes that coincide with our uh, Listener's Choice Countdown. And so if you like uh, old classic uh, television or old movies, I think you'll enjoy it. Just go to videotheater.greatdetectives.net. Other podcasts we do include The War, war thewar.greatdetectives.net, The Amazing World of Radio at amazing.greatdetectives.net, and uh, Classic Comics uh, Podcast at classycomicsguy.com. All right, well, now it's time for us to return to Dr. Tim, Detective. Dr. Tim was a 15-minute syndicated series that was targeted towards kids and combined educational messages about health and safety and science uh, with a mystery format. And I actually, even though it was made for kids, I actually really found it uh, enjoyable. Uh, we played the 15-minute episodes opposite serial uh, part fives of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. So we'd have a Friday where we'd have part five of an episode, and then we'd have an episode of Dr. Tim. And we played Dr. Tim in a period when uh, we had uh, uh, serials of uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, that weren't complete. Uh, and so in that case, we would ins- we would uh, play uh, uh, two parts of Johnny Dollar on Monday and then two parts on Friday and not play Dr. Tim. Uh, and we could do that since there was no like ongoing plot thread. Uh, this is actually the second episode of the series and the earliest in circulation. Unfortunately, it's only 15 minutes, so today's episode will be a little short. And I'm glad to bring you an episode of a series we thought we'd finish back in November of 2013. But here from September 11th of 1950 is today's episode of Dr. Tim Detective. And this one is The Mystery of the Mad Maltese. This is Dr. Tim Detective to bring you by transcription The Mystery of the Mad Maltese. The mystery of the Mad Maltese is one of the most exciting cases I've ever had anything to do with. You see, a man's life actually hung on the slender thread of time, and that man had disappeared as completely and utterly as if the earth had opened up and swallowed him. But let me start at the beginning. You see, I'm a sort of combination detective and medical doctor. This particular morning, I was in the midst of a complicated experiment in my laboratory having to do with testing some material for bloodstains. Just as I set the bubbling liquid aside to cool, I heard a commotion outside my window. I recognized the voices of my good friends Sandy and Jill. Jill's my landlady's daughter, and Sandy is one of the kids down the street. 
Both of them have helped me on a lot of cases. I couldn't imagine what was going on, so I raised the window and called out. Hey, you kids, what's up? I thought you did something awful happened. We're trying to catch a big old cat. He's gone crazy or something, I guess. Well, honey, this cat's the man something terrible and he's getting on the cat. My heart jumped up in my throat as I called through the window. Get out of that yard and stay out. Don't you go near that animal. But gee, Dr. Jimmy, he might be dangerous. He might hurt some little kid. Without stopping to argue, I grabbed up the nearest thing I could lay my hands on. It happened to be my top coat and dashed out into the yard. Gee, Dr. Tim, what's the matter? Get back, both of you. Let me handle this. In a moment, I had the cat, a huge Maltese, backed up into a corner of the fence. And holding my top coat before me the way a bullfighter handles his cape, I threw it over the furious animal. In a few seconds, had it bundled up in such a way that the cat could neither bite nor scratch. Followed by Sandy and Jill, I rushed the cat into the laboratory and dumped it into a wire cage. Exhausted, the cat stretched out, white saliva dripping from its rigid jaws. I tossed the coat into a corner away from all of us and then looked at my hands. There was no sign of a cut or scratch on them. I heaved a big sigh of relief. Jill, big-eyed with fright, spoke first. Gee, where's that thing with long? I'm not sure, Jill, but I'm afraid it's rabies. I'm almost certain that cat is mad. A few minutes later, I was getting the whole story from Sandy and Jill. And while we were playing out in the yard, and this man came walking up the street. Gosh, I don't know where the cat came from, but... When the man came along, the cat dashed out into his seat, and he stooped down to push it away. And then the cat had sort of a fit or something, and it bit him on the hand. So we ran up and chased the cat into the backyard, and when we got back, the man was gone. Sandy, Jill, you know what rabies is, don't you? You mean like a mad dog? This is a cat. Well, now, cats can have it, too. So can squirrels and rats and, well, a lot of animals. Wolves, coyotes, or... Gee, squares, you mean... Hi, Joe. Hydrophobia that makes you go mad? I'm afraid I do, Jill. What about the man he bit? What'll happen? Unless we can find him, and find him in time, he'll die one of the most horrible deaths known to a human being. Now, you kids, are you sure you didn't touch that cat? Mm-hmm. Right, Honestly, no. didn't. Well, good enough. And you're sure the cat bit the, the mysterious stranger? Yes. Yeah. Well, then first of all, I have to make sure the cat really is rabid. Oh. You see, rabies is a virus. A deadly agent so small that it can't be seen even with a microscope. So some very complicated tests are necessary. However, in my mind, there's no doubt that the cat has rabies. How do you know? Well, from the way it acts, Sandy, any animal that bites can always be suspected of having the disease. That means that if you're bitten, the biting animal should immediately be put under observation. Well, what about the man who bit? First, we have to find him. Then he'll be given a series of inoculations, injections, with a material known as a vaccine. What's going to find the man? Jill, we're going to have to turn detectives again. I'm afraid we'll have to stage a manhunt, and time is the most important thing. Those treatments have to begin as soon as possible, or nothing, nothing in the world can save that man from dying. Now let's start tracking him down. There wasn't very much to go on. Jill and Sandy both agreed that the man was a stranger in the neighborhood. He wore a blue suit, a felt hat, was about 50 years old, and he carried a bag, as Jill explained. Well, it was sort of 
Sounds like the bag you carry, Dr. Kim. With all mm. your medicine and things in it. Mm. Only bigger. Oh, a suitcase? No, it wasn't a suitcase. Whiz, I wish I could remember more. I remember you said it... An average-looking man of 50 carrying a bag. Not much to go on. But we all got busy. Sandy and Jill and I went all over the neighborhood. We rang doorbells. We talked to housewives, always asking if they had seen anyone who looked like the man bitten by the rabid cat. No one had. That meant he wasn't a salesman or a visitor in the neighborhood or a boarder in any of the rooming houses around. There was only one thing left to do, and that was to send out a general alarm. Calling all cars. Calling all cars. Be on lookout for man bitten by cat with rabies. We'll have claw marks on left wrist and hand was last seen carrying small handbags in the neighborhood of Grant and Eleven. And here's an urgent bulletin. Somewhere there is a man who has been bitten by a rabid cat and probably doesn't realize his danger. If that man is listening, or if any of our listeners know him, he should be taken at once to the nearest hospital. Only prompt treatment can save his life. Now, here's the story. Every doctor in town, every doctor in the state was asked to report at once anyone who appeared for treatment of scratches and bites, but no one answering his description had been heard of. By that evening, we were at a dead end. Time was running short. Time, that important factor in treating rabies. With every hour, our chances of saving the unknown man's life lessened. As we sat around and tried to think of some new way to find our man, we were certainly a dejected crew. Gosh, Dr. Kim, you'd think somebody'd be able to locate him. Especially with that statewide alarm out. And I suppose by now the story's gone over the whole country. What did you do with the cat, Dr. Kim? No, the health department came out and got him this afternoon. Are they, are they sure? No. Mm, I'm afraid so. It's rabies, all right. Gosh, white animals have to go and get things like that. Oh, that's life, Sandy. We doctors have been working for thousands of years to conquer disease. But we've barely made a beginning. Of course, human carelessness has a lot to do with it, too. How? Well, rabies could be completely wiped out if... If what? If people would just use their heads. You see, rabies can be prevented. You mean something could have been done to keep that captain going mad? Of course. Just in exactly the same way that you and Jill will never get smallpox. Because you are vaccinated against it. And because you'll continue getting vaccinated every few years just as a safety measure. Do they vaccinate dogs and cats too? Oh, sure they do. In some places it's the law that all pets which might develop rabies must be immunized. Hey, that's a swell idea. Well, they'll always be strays. But the first thing to do is to stay away from animals you don't know. You don't even have to be bitten to get rabies. What do you mean? If you have a cut or a scratch, just handling the animal might infect it. Now, did you notice what I did to that coat of mine that I used to capture the cat? Oh, I did. You wouldn't let me touch it. Then you wrapped it up in heavy paper and... Well, why did you do that? Because the cat infected it. It was hissing and spitting and slobbering all over the coat. And anyone touching those places with a cut or scratch might get the infection. Gosh, we sure had a close shave chasing after that cat. You'll never know how close. 
Well, kids, it's getting late. Not much more we can do tonight. You, Dr. Tim? I feel like we sure let you down. Not remembering more about what that man looked like. Yeah. Oh, it can't be helped. I probably couldn't have remembered much more myself. And I've been trained as a detective. Well, I've been thinking there was something different about him, and I don't know what it was. There was something about his clothes, I think. Oh, darn. A vague idea was beginning to form in my head. But it was crowded out by visions of what that unknown man was going to be in for if we didn't find him in a hurry. It might be a week, a month, maybe longer, when he'd begin to feel restless. There'd be an unaccountable sense of terror, irritation. I could almost see it. horror-struck thoughts, but I hardly noticed what Sandy and Jill were saying until... No, it wasn't, Sandy. It was sort of an old-fashioned coat. Not like the one my dad wears or Dr. Tim. Well, that's what I meant, sort of. There was something shining. I remember it because when we ran out in the walk, something flashed in my eyes. It was on his coat. Wait a minute, Sandy. I think I'm beginning to remember. Buttons, that was it. Brass buttons. Dr. Tim, he had brass buttons, eh? Oh, 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 I'm sorry, kids. Dr. Tim... The man who was bitten, what he wore was like a uniform. Only it wasn't exactly. Now, hold on a minute. Are you sure? Absolutely. Sure. A policeman? I'm sure it wasn't a policeman. Or a bus driver? No, no, no. The brass button was there. A handbag. Buttons. No uniform cap, though. Handbag. Only in a town, obviously. Buttons. 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 I've got it! Sandy, Jill, we've got our man! Let me get that telephone quick! His life is saved! About an hour later, the phone rang. Did they find him on the train? He was, and they did. And a nicer piece of detective work I've never known. It was all you're doing, kid. But how did you know? Yeah, I didn't even get hep till you telephoned the railroad station. Well, when you have all the pieces, you can put them together and get a picture. 
A man in a sort of uniform, as you called it. Brass buttons, a small grip, like a doctor's, only bigger. That narrowed the field down a lot. And then, just as I was beginning to get somewhere, one of those fool accidents happened. One of those crazy things that make all the difference in the world. I heard a train whistle in the distance. All of a sudden, I knew. And that's the story. Well, this is Dr. Tim, detective, saying so long until next week at this same time, when Sandy, Jill, and I will dip into our casebook of exciting stories and bring you the transcribed mystery of the guest in number two. Welcome back. A very educational episode, uh, though a bit light on um, actual uh, detective work. It just came at the end when Sandy and Jill finally remembered uh, what they needed to to solve the case. Uh, but still, uh, I thought it a very interesting episode and certainly uh, did what it was intended to. So I hope you enjoyed that. And I do want to thank our Patreon of the day. Thanks so much to Lanny. Lanny has been one of our Patreon supporters since September, and he's currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Lanny. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with Rocky Jordan. And then next Tuesday, a previously uncirculated episode of Richard Diamond. You won't want it. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>